Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of April 6th. I'm your host, D. Suave, Derek Kessinger, joined by the editorial staff of Notesmaster Kevin Kovac, Big Shot Bob, Robert Holman, and making his debut on the Dirt Reporters is Kyle McFadden. Kyle, A, how has the first couple of weeks of the job been so far? And B, are you ready for the challenge? To be on Dirt Reporters. What's going on, everybody? I'm uh, I am thrilled to be here. Uh, it's been fun few weeks so far, and uh, I don't know. It's it's just uh, you know things just keep zipping along here. We're now in April, and soon we're going to be in the you know spring season. Uh, well, I guess we're already underway with that. You know, summer and whatnot. And so, yeah, it's been fun and uh, excited to be here. And uh, yeah, no, it's been fun. So uh, I'll uh, let's just get get rolling. <laughs> All right, we might call you Kyle Darren McFadden, but we'll work on the nickname for you next week uh, when we do the show or when you join us. And Kyle, glad to have you on the Dirt Reporters. Your stuff so far has been great, and we're gonna get the show rolling here. And Kovac, it's safe to say Chris Madden made the right decision to leave the World of Outlaws. He was leading the points, headed into Bristol Week One of the portion of the Bristol Dirt Nationals. He left Tennessee with well over $200,000 in earnings. What a great two weeks for Smokey. Oh, my goodness. His bank account's looking good. Yeah, the $227,000, I believe it was, $250,000 wins. Uh, he comes out with a, uh, another uh, second-place finish, and then he gets, I think that was 25000 and then he comes out with a $100,000 points. So let's just put this this way. All right. He got $229,000. Last year, he ran the entire World of Outlaws Tour, finished second in the points. How much did he win? $235,000. So I'm just looking at uh, the numbers from last year. I'm, I'm not sure, actually sure if that includes the point fund, but uh, it's on their website. But he basically ran, he, he, he won as much as he did the whole season last year on tour in four days of racing. And and that was the the gamble. I mean, he was going to take. You know, it was uh, he was in great position to win that World of Outlaws title this year. Uh, I mean, at least to give a make a bid for it. Uh, if when you come out of Florida, already about fifty points ahead of Brandon Shepard, you're leading the points, and you're fifty points ahead of him. Not many guys have done that, to, and that's what you have kind of position you need to be in if you're going to have a shot at beating that blue number one of uh, of Shepard in the Rocket House Car team. Here he is, and he decided, again, he had said it would be a – there's no doubt in my mind that he could win a national tour championship, and, and, and I know that he's confident enough. He's – I said it in Fast Talk this week. He's one of the most confident race car drivers, dirt late model drivers uh, I've ever been around. I mean, he knows that he could do it, anything and win anywhere. And so he knows if he wanted to put his mind to it, uh, he can win that World of Outlaws title. He just hasn't. You know, like I mean, the last most of the time that he's run it, like three three times, I believe, it hasn't been his focus. You know, like from uh, his burning desire to win that, and he just decided, hey, you know what? I'll, with this team, you know, with his sponsors, uh, that's he said it. What would happen? That he was going to go try to get that big money at Bristol and, and and run the rest of the season too. You know, just for for money. And uh, <laughs> when when you come out. Uh, Right off the bat, and and win and do that two fifty thousand dollar wins, 
$229,000 in total money in four days. I mean, he's sitting home thinking, I, I, I made the right choice, obviously. I mean, there's guys that didn't make that kind of money. Look at Jonathan Davaport. He does not come out of there. He still hasn't won a race this year. So it's uh, it hasn't come around like that choice of not running the Lucas Oil Series hasn't been 100% correct yet for him. I mean, it's only April, though. Uh, he's got a lot of uh, races that he can make up for that money that he hasn't won yet. But for Madden, everything else is almost gravy now. I mean, really, I mean, he, he doesn't even have to run as many races as he would normally. He's probably going to take off some time. He'll be like, you know what? I don't have to go to that $10,000 win show. I'm going to go see my son play baseball this summer. I mean, because he's already won so much money. He doesn't have the need the quantity of races. So, uh, I'll, I'll let let everybody else talk about that, but I'm sure Robert Robert was there, and he'd have some thoughts on uh, on Chris Madden also. Yeah, Robert, we'll get to Dale McDowell in a second with you. But what were some uh, thoughts you had on Chris Madden post race when you were talking to him after the race? Uh, just appreciative. Um, yeah. He seemed very, you know, appreciative of of obviously of uh, the XR folks for for what they've done so far. Uh, appreciative of being able to run at race at a, a really awesome facility. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing that kind of stood out, uh, you know, that he was, he just seemed, uh, in each one of his, his interviews, he seemed very appreciative of the situation. Uh, he doesn't, he seemed definitely to me, it almost seemed like after the first victory, he was regardless of what happened after that over the next three races he seemed at peace with his decision a hundred percent because he talked about how it was a team decision he talked about how he his teenage son he needed to be around the house a little bit more and didn't need to be gone for weeks on end uh right now at this point in his son's life and i completely understand that uh you know i have an 18 year old uh so you know, stuff like stuff like that you know, is kind of the things that stood out to me about, uh, you know, appreciative of his crew. And he's always appreciative of you think about the big three with and I unfortunately, I'm I can't name them all. Kevin probably can. But his three major sponsors, I know uh, Millwood and uh, uh, Henderson Amusement. And then then there's one more. I'm sorry, I can't remember it at, off the top of my head. But, you know, the. To me, that's a the big three for Chris Madden, who really uh, propel his program, and he just seemed very appreciative of of all of those folks, his his team, and and the moment, and being able, and the you know that that's kind of what stood out to me about Chris Madden. Yeah, Chris Madden, big big weekend. He made the right decision. Kyle, just joining our editorial staff a couple weeks ago. You're an insider now, but as an outsider beforehand, you're seeing this as a fan slash writer now. What are your thoughts on this big money that he won this past two weeks? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's not as hard-pressed to go racing as much probably this month. He can probably, you know, regroup and recuperate and, uh, you know, get the get the puppies in line for some of the bigger races coming up here pretty soon. So, you know, he has to be feeling pretty good about that. And, um, you know, back, I guess, to the confidence thing that, that – um, Kevin was, you know, touching on just about Madden. He's uh, got like a quiet confidence. You know, that's that's just kind of like what I've noticed just about Chris, I guess, just over the years. And, uh, you know, he's um, 
obviously very like appreciative and and uh so yeah just a, a quiet confidence kind of propels him i guess maybe in a, a world where you know things things can get rowdy and uh you know uh sparks can sparks can fly for sure but um yeah no um you know he made it look easy i thought you know even though it, it probably wasn't that you know that easy from his seat uh so yeah no i mean he's he's obviously set himself up for um you know i don't want to say in overton like year perhaps you know last year but i mean i think overton rolled in two hundred seventy thousand dollars at the dreams last year so um, you know, not quite on that level in terms of, you know, one event, just how much he rolled in. But, I mean, it's almost in the ballpark. So, I mean, it's very impressive. Yeah, it's very wild thinking that Chris Madden in March and the beginning of April made a little bit less money than Brandon Overton than he did at the Dirt Lay Model Dream, something we never thought would really happen. But, Robert... Like fine wine, we can't forget about Saturday's winner, Dale McDowell. Of course, he was the first Bristol winner in 2000. Fast forward to 22 years later, he can still get her done. Big time win for Mac Daddy as well. Yeah, you know, very impressive uh, by uh, uh, Dale McDowell. Just, I, I wrote down four names, and and beside each one, I put down one word beside them uh, kind of describing their weekend and uh, chris madden i put down excellent scott bloomquist i put down resurgent uh chris ferguson i put down vindicated and it's funny because beside del mcdowell i put down del mcdowell <laughs> I, I literally <laughs> used his own name to describe him and and what and his success Dale McDowell was Dale McDowell. He is just uh, quietly goes about business, and he is he's steadily. Uh, he's just a contender. Almost. When is Dale McDowell? Can you think back? When has Dale McDowell not been a contender? I mean, if you think back over Dale McDowell's career, and, and we talked about this a little bit in fast talk. You know, this is, I looked up some older stats. You know, in 19, I think it was 1999, Dale McDowell won five of the first 11 Hava Tampa races that season. He wound up only winning six all year, but he won five of the first 11. I think it was 99. It might have been like 2000, but it's right around, around in there. So it's not really the best start necessarily of his of his career ever. But, but think about when has Dale McDowell not been Dale McDowell? When is he... From when I was eight, 17, 18 years old, and he came to Winchester Speedway with an open trailer and his white car with uh, with just Dover cylinder heads uh, uh, on it, and he, you expected Dale McDowell to contend for the win. So looking back all these years from when he drove, you know, um, when he was out with Larry Shaw, I just don't. I just can't remember a time that Dale McDowell wasn't Dale McDowell, that he wasn't a contender to win races. And that's just kind of, uh, you know, kind of the weekend he had. He came in, he contended, he was up front, and then he finally got a win. And it just kind of continues a great, great season 
that that he started. And I think that his great season is amplified, like I said in Fast Talk, because of we have eyes on it now. Because eyes are on every single race. You know, you have all of it, everything's being streamed, um, all the social media. Then you throw in the fact that he has definitely some extra attention on him this season because of of what he went through, you know, back in September and October with his uh, prostate surgery and stuff. So, you know, when you've got extra attention on you and then you've got these all these eyeballs out there anyway, it's going to be amplified a little bit. But to me, Dale McDowell was, was, was Dale McDowell. He was just, you know, very smooth. He never gets rattled. You know, I've seen him. You know, I have seen him get, uh, you know, get irritated a time or two. And, you know, one time at Rome, he he had a run in with Michael Page. And, and that was kind of kind of took me by surprise, actually. But, uh, you know, he felt like Michael Page had kind of run over him and and he got out of his car. And it actually cost him probably the points race, I believe, in the either the Southern Nationals or one of those Ray Cook deals. I think it probably cost him the points deal because he got out of the car on the racetrack and lost all his points that night, you know, and how, how tough you think it has to be for Ray cook, one of his, one of McDowell's buddies to penalize him like that. You know, that had to be probably, probably tough for, for Ray to have to do that. But, uh, but anyway, McDowell was, McDowell was just McDowell. He was steady, went out there and got the job done as he always does and, and came away with a pretty good paycheck himself. Kovac, how impressive is Dale McDowell at the age of 56? Billy Moyer, he was still winning races, you know, towards the twilight of his career. Scott Blomquist with injuries, he's around that age a little bit. He's kind of slowing down. It does not seem like Dale McDowell is going to slow down anytime soon. I mean, he's winning at Bristol when you're going like 200 miles per hour, it seems. He's always going to be content in Eldora, just the way the track plays out. I just don't see any time of him slowing down at all. Yeah, like you just said, he has this consistency about him uh, from his entire career. You know, he's he's not a – a guy that's gonna he can he can go fast he can run in any kind of condition obviously you know I mean he can he, he doesn't I'm sure he's he's not thrilled about having to go up there and uh, you know go on a cushion or anything but look what he did he won the opening night that the first race this year his first win this year was at Volusia on that you know that was like racing on the the surface of the moon that day you know it was it was bumpy and rough and I mean it, guys much younger than him must have had sore backs and stuff after that show. Uh, going through all those holes and uh and he had to you had to go through them to be fast as he was and and he did and he, and he got the job done there and and uh so he can he still has that in him like where he could get the he can he can win anywhere any kind of condition any kind of racetrack and i i, I robert kind of mentioned there that you know about his uh uh incident there he said with michael page and he got a little angry there and and, and i think that's another thing I mean, Dale, he, he admits, he admits though, he admitted at, at Volusia uh, when I talked to him after a second win during the dirt car nationals uh, in February, that he does have a temper. He can get, he can, he can lose it sometimes. He outwardly to most of the people, it's like, man, that guy's got it all together. But man, he says, I, 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 I could get mad. And I've, I've heard Mark Richards talk about being like, man, you do not want to cross Dale McDowell. He can, you know, he, he can, uh, you just don't want to cross him, uh, get him mad, you know? Uh, and there was that one night at Volusia where uh, Dale was up, it was earlier in the week and he's up front battling with uh, 
I think it was for second place or third place with Chris Madden. Madden got into him. Dale goes around on the backstretch and doesn't, uh, you know, he ends up finishing in the back. It was his worst, fin- only bad finish of the week, really. And after he won the race, uh, after that, he told me, he goes, I want it, man. Like, his his head was probably ready to explode. But because he had had, he'd gone through this prostate surgery, he'd gone through like, you know, a little, little bit of seeing your mortality, I guess. Uh, and, and he said he had like a little bit of a new uh, outlook. You know, he wasn't going to, he's, he's like, what, what, what would be proven? What's it going to, what, what's it going to do if I go out there and scream at, uh, at Chris Madden, or if I threaten him, or if I go bump him on the racetrack? He's like, you know what? There, there, nothing good comes of that. Uh, and he restrained himself and he goes, I think maybe that maybe played into why I won this, this next race. And so he does have this, he has a little bit calmer attitude, I think overall, you know, and, and that's going to help him out this year. I, I mean, and I think I, I mentioned this in fate and, and fast talk too. I mean, I don't know. I just, I had this feeling that that million dollar may at Eldor million dollars in June, it might, you know, it, nobody's written a name down on a check yet, but I think that if there's a karma, it might be Dale McDowell winning that the way he's going this year. Yeah, the Mac Daddy has been phenomenal. Cool stats here for him. Three wins, 13 starts, 12 top 10s, and eight top fives. Of course, is only not top 10. He was running, you know, for the lead there with Chris Madden, or at least running second or third. He was going to probably get another top five. So McDowell has that thing dialed in. And Kyle, good wins by those guys. But one thing I saw on social media and people commenting was just, the crowd may have been down, and the car counts were obviously below 30. Do you think that is a big thing for an event like this, paying that much money, or does it really matter because we still had the top-tier big-money race teams there for the most part? Uh, I'm not sure where to draw the line yet, you know, this past weekend. Um, I feel like, you know, a multitude of factors obviously went into that. The weather, you know, being one of those um and then obviously too you know just kind of um yeah just you know let's face it you know the racing at bristol has been you know probably bottom five that i've seen over the past year and so i think people know that i think people are aware of that and um you know just uh it just wasn't enticing in that regard um on the flip side of that obviously you know a lot of teams obviously you know, showed up, you know, Brandon Shepard made the overnight tow, you know, to get there and, uh, you know, Madden and, and, and McDowell, you know, we came out of the weekend with two great storylines and also too, you know, Scott Bloomquist put himself on the podium and, uh, ran fourth, I think on the second night, uh, this past weekend. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, um, you know, we, uh, you know, walked away with, a good bit of storylines on on our end and uh you know i thought it was pretty cool to have um you know i guess six of the top seven guys uh on saturday they were 46 years old or younger or sorry older and uh so you know i uh put that in my fast talk observation of richard allen put that in a tweet so um yeah no I mean, it's, uh, I'm not sure, you know, obviously like what the streaming numbers were, we obviously won't know that, but, um, you know, just from the race product itself, it, 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 uh, you know, I, I expected 
you know, 30-ish cars, not a great crowd about the race and that we saw. I think we saw, what, two or three passes for the lead over these past four races, over these past two weekends at Bristol. So it was right around, quite honestly, what my expectations were. And, um, you know, I'm not really sure what to make of it, quite honestly, um, you know, just on the whole. Yeah, Kobach, you've been doing this for a long time, travel with the world of outlaws, obviously, as the PR director. You've seen different uh, things promoters and stuff try to do, pay big money, um, make the purse bottom heavy, top heavy. You've seen it all. What's what do you think of the crowd and car count? Or is that kind of like what Kyle said you were expecting it to be like that? Well, the the thing about this is uh, <clears throat> Bristol. I mean, it's a great facility. It's it's uh, it's iconic, really, in the in the world of uh, of motorsports. And and just being there is is when you're sitting when you go in that infield, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I went to the Outlaw races last year, and and, and you you stand in there and you're surrounded by all these grandstands and it's 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 awe inspiring really to think that you're a dirt car i mean all these all of us dirt racing people come from these little racetracks really and then you're sitting there in the middle of bristol motor speedway kind of um blows your blows your mind that you're there uh but the thing about bristol it's so big it's so fast uh so high bank that it's gonna it's obvious it's obviously tough on equipment i mean you're, you're not gonna and that's why i feel that it needs to Four races at, at, at Bristol. I mean, it was great for 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 guys to make, make a lot of money. Uh, obviously, that XR has done. But if if you're really looking, I mean, I I feel like a little bad that like when you look at that racetrack, you see that. I mean, if you're going to have a race at Bristol, you want it to be. I mean, I, I personally, I want it to be like those races back in 2000 and 2000. Well, 2000 especially. I guess the second year when they put the dirt down it went down everything the, the crowd the field was from 180 or something to about 89 90 i believe so uh it's it's a it's not a a, 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 a event that is going to get a lot of a lot of cars i mean you, you see it kind of once I, I just don't think it's, it has to be a novelty sort of you know to keep that excitement for it and when you have four nights of racing i mean in the midst of 12 other nights I mean, a, a total of 12 nights for XR with all the other support divisions. I mean, I think you can get a little bit of a Bristol, uh, you know, fatigue, I guess, you know, like that first weekend, considering there's two more $50,000 to win shows for super late models the next weekend. That, I mean, the, Robert would say, I mean, it was windy. It was cold that first weekend. Uh, amazingly, they did get, they didn't have one rain out through the, all the 12 nights of racing at, uh, at Bristol, but there was bad weather that wasn't very uh you know uh, conducive to bringing people out and so if you see that you know there's two more races the next weekend you know there's an two outlaw races at the end of april when the weather's probably going to be warmer you don't have that like dying need to get to bristol as a crowd or uh as as a race fan you know you'd be like you know what i, I don't i don't need to go here i have another chance next week i have another chance in a month and with an event like with a race, when you're racing on a track like that, I feel like it just has to be this has to be one big event to really make it a blowout for for a crowd. When you have that many crowd, we have that many seats. I, you you want to fill a lot of them. And it, it just seemed kind of almost pandemic like when you look up in the grandstands and you, and you don't see. I mean, there could be several thousand people there. It's not going to look like that at all at Bristol. 
And I think that kind of like gives it a little bit of a downer. I mean, Madden won $229,000, but it's nowhere. And, and it's great for him. It's great to win at a racetrack. But seriously, you, you can't get the feeling that you get when Brandon Overton won $270,000 for sweeping the dreams with all those people there. And I mean, Chris Madden got out of the race car and there's not going to, there wasn't many people up there to, to be screaming. He didn't, he didn't get that feeling that, uh, uh, that you get when you win at Eldora or some other big event, which you kind of, I mean, that's why I just kind of want that to happen at Bristol. I want to see that many, that, you know, tens of thousands of people there to really show it. And it's just, there's so many races there and every race, somebody crashes, somebody blows a motor and that's it. They're not going to do it again. They're not, they don't, I mean, Tim McCready heard of a car so bad, destroyed one the first weekend. He didn't come back and he's got an arsenal of cars. They just like, we're not going to, we're not going to risk doing another one. Look at Mike Marler hurt, hurt a car pretty bad there, you know, two crashes in a row. Um, so it, it's, it, it's, 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 I just want to see one. I would love to see just one big event there. If you're going to do all that, who knows if it's even going to happen next year, if they're going to put dirt down, I, I, we don't know that, but uh, those, those are just some, just some thoughts on the crowd and the car count. Yeah. Good point. Go back. The weather was kind of iffy. If you're a sprint car and late model fan, you can go to the World of Outlaws because I'm pretty sure they're both on the card that weekend for the World of Outlaws. So you can wait, make it a little warmer. All, all those good for the racers, obviously, making good money. Robert, uh, your thoughts on this whole situation, maybe with the low, uh, high 20 car count there by the end of the Saturday. And I know a lot of people were saying on social media the crowds obviously weren't that good. Well, you know, obviously Kevin mentioned the crashes. Uh, you had McCready. Marler, Owens, Garrett Smith, Christian Hanger, Jensen Ford, Michael Chilton, Vic Hill. That's just the ones that you know, I jotted down that I can remember that killed killed race cars. I mean, they didn't, you know, knock a few parts off. They killed race cars. And so, you know, Mike Marler told me, I, I think, I feel like if Mike Marler, Mike Marler didn't have a backup car, you know, he probably, he told me he wasn't pulling out his new car. He said, he told me there's no way I'm going to put a new car on this racetrack. You know, you had guys like Stacy Bowles and a few others who ran the first week who didn't come back. And like Kevin said, it, it kind of is that once in a lifetime feel, I guess. And so once you go do it once, I'm not 100% sure if you have a desire to go back and put your equipment through through that stuff. And I think that is reflective in the counts of the 602 late models and the crate, the 604 crate late models. I think that. Those two divisions right there are reflective in how how expensive it is to go and do this. I can tell you that last year when they first announced this deal, my my brother sent me a text, said, Hey, they're gonna race, you know, dirt cars at Bristol. Do you wanna go? And my response was an emphatic, hell no, absolutely not. And the reason for that is I have one car. I have one motor. We don't have a lot of of a big budget, and I was there in two thousand and one. I was, I think Todd and Tim Lee covered that race in two thousand. But I, I got the call to go. I came off the bench and went over there in two thousand one for National Dirt Digest. I was up there for three days. Saw a lot of torn up stuff, you know. And I've seen, you know, even at Eldora, you see a lot of tore up stuff sometimes, and that's. You know, these guys were carrying way more speed than than what you carry at Eldor. So I just feel like that, as Kevin kind of alluded to, 
it's an expensive venture for guys to carry their cars up there and risk. You look at the World Outlaws gets rained out. How many cars showed up after that? How many cars did go down there? One. You know, Brandon Brandon Shepard, arguably, you know, arguably the best team in the business is the only one that showed up. Dennis Herb Jr. leading the World Outlaws points. He didn't show up. You know, I don't feel like Dennis Herb Jr. could take the risk in tearing up a car and continuing to move forward with his his World of Outlaws deal. You know, obviously you could tear up a car at any racetrack you go to, but the risk at Bristol is just so much higher. Just a slightest thing could go, you know, you can you can recover at Duck River. You know, it's man, it's hard to recover at uh, at Bristol, and the track just puts so much more uh, demand on everything. Your mentally, um, your your ball joints, your shock mounts, every little thing, your your tires, everything is under so much more demand at Bristol. And for a lot of guys, after they get that first taste of it, it's just not worth going back. Yeah, I was. Uh... Crazy two weeks there at Bristol in the Tennessee uh, half mile, and a lot of guys made some good money. Congrats to Chris Ferguson, obviously Chris Madden, and Dale McDowell for getting the wins there and moving on. So this is kind of like the topic I wanted to go with today after we talked about it in our Slack channel. As you guys said, no doubt, I mean, Bristol is beautiful. When it's covered by dirt, it's truly a spectacle. Sitting in the infield, it is bad to the bone. So this week's topic, I'm going to eat, ask each and every one of you, what asphalt track out there would you like to see go dirt? Now, guys, please really think about this because we wanted to make it a big-time event, a lot of cars, a big-time crowd. We want to, we've seen it before. For example, Berlin and Michigan, they covered up their asphalt track, put dirt on it. The World of Outlaws ran there in September a couple of times. Me and Kovac hung up hung out up there in Grand Rapids, so it was always a good time. So, Kyle, I'm going to go with you first. What asphalt track would you want to have a big-time dirt late model event? Now, you got to think here because we want to have a big crowd and car count. Yeah, big crowd and car count. Um, I'm not sure how this one would work out if it were to be possible because it's probably not going to be possible, but North Wilkesboro, I would love to – Let's just throw dirt down on that place and let's just, you know, let's just have a ball there. Um, I think that would be absolutely uh, gobsmacking. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how that would even work or what that would even look like. And I don't even know. uh, I mean, that could be a complete dud or that could, you know, take off in a theoretical sense. Uh, You know, so I'm not sure. some other tracks to think about. I mean, um, you know, they had perhaps maybe a chance at Myrtle Beach Speedway. Um, you know, that could have possibly been converted to dirt. That would have been pretty cool. Um, but no, I mean, quite honestly, like, I just think just kind of seeing the Bristol experiment, kind of like what Kevin was saying, you know, it's cool to kind of be there because I was there last year for the sprint car event uh, with the modifieds there. And uh, obviously during the pandemic and, and, you know, uh, kind of, um, you know, hampered 
crowd counts and whatnot, but, uh, you know, just kind of being in the middle of Bristol, you know, kind of a one-time experience, just kind of taking it all in and just uh, saying that you kind of witnessed an event on that stage, you know, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I can't really think of, I guess, any other racetracks that could emulate that sort of uh, publicity or, or, or limelight or however you kind of want to slice it. But Back to what I was saying first, you know, North Wilkesboro, if there was a, a way, I know they're going to bring that place back. Um, I know that SMI, uh, you know, had uh, rolled out some plans to revive it for some possible, I don't know, Camping World Truck Series races and perhaps some NASCAR Cup Series races down the line. But um, I would love to uh, throw dirt down on the old North Wilkesboro half mile. Uh, in Wil- Wilkes County, North North Carolina. I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't think Dale Earnhardt Jr. would allow that. He's like in love with that place. He wants to see it come back so bad. So he might be uh, anti yeah. against you. <laughs> That's my wish. But I like it. I like it. North Wil- Wilkesboro. All right, Kovac, what are you thinking? I mean, there's plenty of tracks up there in the Northeast that do this anyway, right? Yeah, well, you know, there's some, you know, uh, like that Bur- that Berlin up uh, up in Michigan. Those were good races, you know. The they they, um, they were entertaining. Yeah, I mean, and we also we yeah we did get to hang out in Grand Rapids. That was very very fun. We even took out our our buddy Tyler Bachman from the World of Outlaw series. We introduced him to a parking garage. Uh, he had never been to a parking garage before until he went to the big city of Grand Rapids. So uh, and took him to the piano bar. So he enjoyed that, but. Uh, and the track surface was r- really, really good at at, at, uh, at Berlin for three. I mean, they did it for four years with the Outlaws. I think they did it a few years also, and they just had some like ethanol tour races. Uh, of course, you have to make sure that track is good. You get put good, good surface on there because uh, Rockford Speedway uh, in a, you know kind of a a very well known uh, bull ring out in uh, in Illinois. They did it uh, back in '16 with the World of Outlaws, and the track was ended up being woof. Uh, I mean, those had some of the biggest ruts you've ever seen. So, and of course, they've never done that again now since uh, they did it. When I think of like tracks that I'd like, the, the thing that makes Bristol so cool is, it, I mean, this is a track you see on TV. They have such big, huge world, uh, NASCAR races uh, at, at Bristol, and you get uh, all these dirt people get to run it. It's really awesome, you know. I mean, it's not conducive perfectly, really, to dirt racing because of its size and, and banks. So I, when I look at like NASCAR tracks, uh, short tracks that, well, maybe it, we, we get the same feel as if we if they put dirt down and and we went there. And I don't know. I don't really get that thrill. I, like North Wilkesboro would, would be pretty cool. Probably at least it's just too big, though, again. I mean, that's another big track, although it's not um, it's not a, a, you know, high bank like Bristol is. So they probably wouldn't be going as they obviously wouldn't be going as fast, but still it's a bigger track. Some guys won't even want to go there because it's so big. I'd rather try to find an asphalt track that's a really cool place that you'd be more of a bullring type. I want you know bring the Fairbury kind of uh, uh, feel to it, and uh, so like uh, you wouldn't get that at Martinsville either. And I don't want to go to Martinsville, put dirt down on that flat thing. That doesn't look like it would be very exciting uh, to me. I mean, God, that I, I don't want that. If people have talked about that. Bowman Gray, you know, I've heard some people say, "Oh, put dirt down on that." I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, might put put dirt down on a on the local, uh, you know, just that's basically putting dirt down on your local track around your high school football field. Um, I mean, Bowman Gray is gets 
uh, you know, they, they, they get so much attention just because it, you, you really can't pass much and you just bang into each other and everybody just goes crazy and flips out and fights each other. So uh, that's not the racing I want from dirt racing. Uh, if I would look, I'm, I'm going to throw out a couple names here, but if I was looking through down south, if I really wanted to be in the heart of late model country and have a fine and asphalt track that uh, and put dirt down, I'd go with Hickory Motor Speedway in North Carolina. I mean, there's that's a third of a mile. Uh, from looking at their website, they have over 13,000 seats there. They've had big Bush, you know, Bush Grand National, you know, Xfinity's tour now uh, races there in the past. Uh, that's a place where everybody knows. It's, they, they think they even call it the one of the world's most famous racetracks, I think, and uh, one of the birthplaces of NASCAR. That would be pretty cool, I think, especially for the South. I mean, if you want to put it in the middle of a, of a uh of of a real dirt late model area let's have a race let's put let's get figure out how to put some dirt down on, on hickory and, and run a run a big show there i think that a one-time deal could be pretty cool there uh, if i would come up north i mean there's a couple of little race tracks I, i'm getting i'm looking for smaller tracks lake erie speedway it's a beautiful asphalt facility not far from like state line and erie's and, and those tracks out there in western pa always been pavement they've never really done that well even though how beautiful it is love to see a little three-eighths mile with some uh, dirt on it holland speedway up in new york in western new york that's another really really nice high bank small third mile that would be cool this would be totally and, and this this is the place that i would really love to see a dirt race an asphalt track and this would be out of, of territory for late models for sure although late models have gone in this area for specials with the world of outlaws I'd go up to Vermont. I'd go to the Thunder Road Speed Bowl. It's a quarter mile high bank a uh, asphalt track. I've been there. They it's it's in the you know it's built in the the stands are in the side of a mountain. Uh, it's it is real. It's in a quarry really up there. Really, it's it's kind of built into that. They get huge crowds every Thursday night for their late model racing. Uh, they even have you can you could. Go, I mean, you're, there's thousands of people that could fit there. Let's believe me. I mean, it, it took me an hour to get out of this place one time just from the parking lot. There's so many people there. Uh, only one exit also, but that's, <laughs> but it's a great atmosphere. Man, you got the people up there on the big grass hill up top above the concrete grandstands. This is the track that Dave Moody, the announcer, one of the pit reporters, uh, one of, well, no, I, was, I guess he's not a pit reporter. He's an announcer, I think for uh, um, MRN, you know, he, he great announcer. He'd always been up there. Ken Squire, the CBS uh, announcer. He was, a, he's a part owner of Thunder, Thunder uh, Road. Big Block Modifieds obviously would be a little bit better to have there because that'd be more their territory. But I think we could get 30 some late models to come up here for a racetrack that would be a heck of an atmosphere and a heck of a race because it's a little bull ring like a Fairbury. So that's, that's where I want to go. Out of, off the beaten path, but let's go up there to Vermont. I've never been to Vermont, so Catamount Country. I'd I'd go up there and watch some racing Kovacs. So I like uh, that. It, it would there. be cool, Derek. Yeah, you could even get some Ben and Jerry's ice cream factory there. You can go to there and get some Ben and Jerry's not far from that racetrack. So uh, that's why I like it didn't too. The <laughs> die, though, too much ice cream, like one of the brothers. Isn't that true? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know the history of Ben and Jerry's, but you know, I, I thought they were still going strong. I mean, they're, they're, I that's I, good I think, ice cream. I think it, grandfather or something died really young because he had so much ice cream that's like the rumor but robert we'll have to look, at we'll look into that you're leaning back in the chair waiting for your answer i feel like you got a great one right now what do you got well i thought that that what was the uh in congress when the the congress 
the the they get up there and they talk, you know, and they're like filibuster. Uh, to keep, yeah, I thought Kevin was giving a filibuster, so uh, I was kind of waiting to to see. What, I'm just I'm just messing with you, Kev. You had great a- answers, and I really like the uh, um oh uh, whatever one you said in North Carolina. Oh. Uh, Hickory, Hickory, right? Yeah. Yes, Hickory. Hickory, Hickory. I really, I really mm-hmm. like that answer. That's a good answer. But uh, I too am going to go uh, off the beaten path here with two tracks that w- that would be excellent for this. But few people, you know, in the modern era here have probably heard of them. The first one, and I'm going to jump right to the heart of it, and then I'm going to come back and tell you why some of these others won't work. But uh, the first two that I would go to if I was a promoter and trying to put on a good show, Huntsville Motor Speedway in Huntsville, Alabama. It is a historic uh, racetrack. In fact, they have ran uh, dirt cars on asphalt there. Uh, This is a racetrack that Richard Petty has been to, that Dale Earnhardt's been to, Bobby Allison used to, Daryl Waltrip, all the NASCAR stars in the back in the day have frequented this place. Uh, it is a um, nice facility. You know, it's no, you know, Charlotte or Texas in terms of, of those types of facilities, but it is a very nice facility. Uh, I think that putting dirt down right there would create that bull ring atmosphere that Kevin was talking about. Kevin was talking about that, that really you want from these kind of race cars. Mike Knuckles, uh, as we were leaving Bristol, we, we walked out of the track together Saturday and he's like, you know, our cars are too good for this racetrack. And that might be true. Talking about Bristol, our cars are just, man, they're just, they're glued to the racetrack. They're super fast. They're, they're aero dependent. They may be just too good and too fast for a track like Bristol. So Huntsville Motor Speedway is my first choice simply because it's about 45 miles from home. Uh, I think we could put on a really good show there. And it's, and it's a, a, uh, historic venue when you talk about the Alabama gang and Red Farmer and and all the Allisons and and every you know I mean, that's the track that Dale Earnhardt used to race at that Richard Petty used to race at it's got the history behind it and I think you could get behind that and really promote it and have a good race there as well the second one is a track that is now out of business because it was almost too fast and is little because it's really high banked so I'm not sure what kind of promoting i mean i'm not sure what kind of racing it would promote uh but that is riverview speedway in carthage tennessee uh it it is a uh fast high banked quarter mile racetrack it it didn't last but a couple of years doesn't again have the the amenities that a a charlotte or a a, or a you know a texas would have but it, it still could could have some really great you look at it and you first your first thought when you look at this place it sits it when it says riverview it sits right on the cumberland river i mean it's it's right there so water is not an issue don't pump in the river you've got you can you know work the racetrack you don't have any issues like that it doesn't have all the asphalt parking like you know like some of these other places do either but when you first look at that and you, you guys after this just or anybody that's listening google it google earth Carthage, Tennessee, Riverview Speedway, and look at this place. And if you're a dirt fan, the first thing that comes to mind is, God, that would be a great dirt track. Good Lord, that would be an awesome place to race. So 
that's my second choice right there. And that's probably a place that few people have even heard of. So, uh, so as Kevin alluded to with some of his tracks, they're kind of off the, excuse me, off the beaten path. This is definitely off the beaten path, but we're talking about putting on a good show for the fans. And I think that that place would do it. Now, let me jump back here to some of the answers about why they wouldn't make a, a good choice. While North Wilkesboro is historic, it's just too big. And that's the problem we run into with a lot of these facilities. You look at another place that would be a great choice historically and get fans. It holds 14,000 people, Nashville Fairgrounds. But the big track at Nashville Fairgrounds is a little under six-tenths of a mile, which is about the same size as, as, as Wilkesboro. And you just don't want – you run into the same problem we run into at Bristol. Why, we don't want to duplicate what the problem that we have at Bristol. So we've got to find another venue. So they came in two years ago, remember, and put dirt on the quarter mile at Nashville. And the, it's a flat, narrow racetrack, and the racing just wasn't that good. I went and watched the crates race on it. And there was just very little passing kind of what, you know, Bowman Gray would probably be like. You know, there's just bumper tag, knock somebody out of the way, and then that's the only way you can pass them. We don't want that either. We don't want torn up. Fans might love it, but we don't want that as promoters. You don't want torn up race cars because over time, torn up race cars don't come back to race with you. So you can't go to Nashville Fairgrounds because the small track, I think, is too small and narrow. The big track is too big and fast. So as big of a great facility as that is, 14,000 people, historic, right in downtown Nashville, in, a, in an area that that's, uh, has a lot of development now with a soccer field right beside it. Great place, bad choice. Wilkesboro, bad choice, it's too big. Look at Mansfield. Look what happened at Mansfield. Did anybody really like the racing at Mansfield? I mean, it's a four-tenths of a mile track. I didn't like the racing at Mansfield. Uh, I just don't think those asphalt tracks that are that big promote good racing. So, you know, you've got to find a track like, uh, you know, like Revolution Park down in Louisiana and and just keep working it. and keep, You know, Revolution Park, how many of us had heard of Revolution Park, honestly, before they go down there and put dirt on it? I hadn't. Uh, and, and there's another track. I can't remember the name of it right now. There's another track over in like Virginia and it only lasted one season after they put dirt on it. The promoters decided that that wasn't the way they wanted to go, but I'd never heard of that track until they went and put dirt on it. So a lot of these hidden gems, the smaller ones, those are the ones that you want to go put the dirt on and then spend the money on the infrastructure. If you want to, you know, go pave the parking lot if you want to, or how about this? Let's switch gears again. Why don't we go find a really good dirt track and go pave the pit area? And because that, that's the whole key, that's the whole key, that's the whole key to a lot of these facilities. The dirt racers love the amenities that these asphalt tracks provide. When I went to Texas Motor Speedway for the very first time in 2001 to a dirt race down there, I was blown away. Every pit. Every trailer, everything parked on asphalt. You know, everything. I never got my shoes dirty. When I went to Bristol for the like, this last nine days, two, four races, I didn't wear my shoes that I wear out to Duck River. I didn't wear my shoes that I wear out in the shop and work in. I've got, I own 15 pairs of Vans. I got my good ones out. 
I wore my good vans to Bristol because I didn't have to step in any dirt. That's the thing that is attractive to a lot of these people is the, is the amenities. So why don't we find a good dirt track and get the amenities up? Pay the pit area. Duck River has come in the first time we went over there. We rolled in. My nephew's like, holy cow. They have, they've put paint concrete down for all the way down this aisle now where it used to be just dirt. So now almost every single, almost every single pit stall at Duck River, you can, your car is on concrete. That's wonderful for a racer. So that's the things that, that, you know, racers look for. I know I'm like rambling on here, but let's go find a good, like I said, I will say it for the third time. Let's go find a good racetrack, get the amenities up and put on a hell of a race. Let's do that instead of keep trying to cover asphalt tracks. Robert, your other Tennessee track, Clarksville, they got asphalt in their parking lot too. So that, that that's good for them too. So all those Tennessee that's tracks very, are making moves. Very true. I'll, and I, and as even though they have flashlights hanging from poles to so you could see out there when you're trying to race, I still love Clarksville for for all that it brings to you. It's it's one of those little, you know, out of the way tracks sorta of, that that park on the asphalt out there. You know, it's it's uh I like Clarksville. Oh yeah, great facility with the parking lot. They can fix I think they got new lights last year, so I think they're dialed in, Robert. But you guys are all wrong. There's only one track that would be perfect for this. It's in the upper Midwest, 25 miles north of Milwaukee. Very famous asphalt track. Uh, they had the Slinger Nationals there. It opened in 1948. A quarter mile, which is the, the only type of racetrack you need for great racing, as you can tell in Illinois, every summer Nationals race is phenomenal usually. Fits 10,000 people. I'm going with Slinger Speedway in Slinger, Wisconsin, known as the world's fastest quarter mile. 33-degree banking, which is perfect, right around what Fairbury is. I think it would be great racing. I would get maybe 100000 to win. We'd pack the place. Ladies would be there. It would be a phenomenal racetrack. What do you think? What do you think, Kovac Slinger? Well, if the ladies are there, right? I mean, that that's the main yeah. thing, right, Robert and Kyle? I mean, uh, you know, like, like Derek said, I mean, if ladies will be there. I mean, that's the – I guess he's going to have a ladies' night and let the ladies in for uh, you know half price or for free or something. Track. It's like one of the last, yeah. uh, you know, short track that are still open. So yeah, the it is. A, there, I've seen some I'm, video of that place. Yep, it'd be a good, be, be a social event with Derek as the promoter. There's no doubt about that. He would have the, he'd have it. It'd be like a club. You go to the go to the racetrack for the club. But maybe that's what racing needs sometimes. You know, you got to get a little bit of a, you know, you bring the bring the. Um, bring everybody out for their date night or something. They can uh, you know, try to hook up at the racetrack and, and see some good racing too, which Slinger, I mean, Slinger is a pretty cool track. Uh, again, I got seen that and uh, that would, that would be a good idea. Good, good, good call, Derek. If the ladies are yep. there, I'm making the haul up from Tennessee. There we go. Robert's in, Kovacs in, Kyle's loving it. All right, guys, we've been going a little long here. Let's do one more thing. Kyle, what's your one more thing? Oh, uh, my one more thing, I guess just reinstate, uh, my gratitude and my thanks for being on here and uh, looking forward to hopefully many great years of just covering this great sport and uh, just having some good conversations such as these and uh, looking forward to just getting out to seeing some cool places this year and, um, you know, just uh, meeting some, meeting some new faces around the, you know, dirt late model scene and dirt late model world. And I'm, I'm you know, just kind of contemplating that and just kind of mulling that over. Perhaps Derek, while we're at it, we'll have to 
play some one-on-one basketball. I'll have to take take you on, uh, get buckets. So we'll have to uh, set that up somewhere. If so, that's uh, that's my one more thing. I mean, I'm always up for the challenge. I always have a basketball with me on the road. So whenever we find an open court, they got one to show me 100, so we can go there as well. Kovac, what's your one more thing? Uh, unbelievable that, but this Friday night, I mean, as we're recording this, this is still happening. I mean, who knows with the, with the weather and the springtime here, but the Hillbilly 100 is at Tyler County Speedway in West Virginia this Friday. It's last year's postponed event from September, but the first time, I mean, this race has been going on since I believe 67, uh, you know, and it's the first time it's not going to be on Labor Day weekend, which is uh wild and, uh, uh let, let's hope that it gets in i mean again like the weather <laughs> looks like there's some rain in the next couple days uh midweek rain at, at the track and we'll have to see if it gets enough uh if, if hopefully it doesn't you know inundate the place and make the pits wet and then friday uh we're hoping you have to i guess we got to hope that the weather forecast improves a little bit maybe the weather will take a turn for the better still got several days here before that but uh, if if we uh, if we are able to run, uh, that, that's that's interesting. I'm going to cover the hill. That's I think the first time I've ever covered the hillbilly will be this weekend, uh, if uh, if everything happens. But again, I, I'm not sure. You know, like it could be a 50-50 thing. Uh, all these races, like in the uh, in the weather in the north in the in the springtime. So hopefully we get it in. Uh, it'll be exciting to go uh, check out the hillbilly for my first time as a writer. There you go. Hillbilly 100 seemed like that thing has just been devastated with COVID. They had to cancel it and other things like weather and stuff like that. So let's hopefully Carl Short and the gang can get that uh, big time race, a very old historic race. Let's see if they can get it in Friday night. My one more thing is good lighthearted story. He was interviewing Frank Heckenass Jr. yesterday. Of course, he had his son Brecken. Him and his wife, Karen, had their first son Brecken, you know, four or five months ago. And he was describing the first day that uh, – Karamee went back to work. Uh, Frankie had Brecken, and he was going to take him to the shop. Well, when he picked him up, he had a huge blowout that was all the way up to his neck, had some diarrhea. And uh, just the story how Frank Heckenass Jr. was telling it and saying, man, I took his shirt off and switched some clothes, gave him a bath. It's basically uh, all those first-time fathers out there have probably been in that same scenario. So I thought that was very funny. So go check out Suave Talk. Frank Heckenass Jr. was a great interview. Robert, finish us strong. What is your one more thing? Uh, I think, you know, that uh, Big Brother is probably always listening to us or, or checking us out or somehow in our homes. Uh, when we were thinking about this topic, uh, I – didn't even start looking anything up until today, but a day or two ago, I did notice that Dylan Robinson, aka Dylan Scott, has uh, and his wife have put his uh, their home up for sale down there in Louisiana. They put their home on the market. Very nice place, by the way. Uh, as he has decided that they, I'm assuming that they'll probably move to Nashville or go to a home in Nashville, but. I think this uh, officially with Dylan Scott putting his Louisiana home, uh, you know, on the market, I think this officially puts the nail in the coffin for any hope that the rev will be, be dirt again. You know, that, that is clear that he's leaving, uh, you know, obviously probably not leaving Louisiana permanently, but he says with his touring schedule, they're only there for four or five weeks out of the year anyway. And so I think that uh, that this is officially the end of the road for for the Rev, which we you know pretty much knew anyway. But when I saw uh, Dylan Scott's home up for sale, I'm like, yeah, it's it's definitely done now. So that uh, oh, and by the way, 
Um, Kyle, you've clearly, uh, clearly never seen, ever seen me hoop. So, um, you know, uh, anytime that, that, uh, you guys want to roll a basketball out, just, uh, I need like, I need a solid 24 hours in advance actually, cause it takes me a while to get on all my gear to get all the stuff that my knee braces and my ankle braces and. <laughs> It takes me a little bit longer to actually tie my shoes than than most people. Usually, there's a usually when I show up at the gym, there's usually a game or two deep before I can even get my shoes tied. That's how long it takes me, you know, to bend over and stuff. But I can still hoop now that I got my glasses. Um, I can see the rim a little bit better, so my my three is working its way back. So just you know, just let me know, guys. Well, you are a big shot, Bob. So apparently, you are good at hoops. Robert Horry, seven time NBA champion. You're basically like him, so got the glasses and can shoot the three ball. I like it. Well, guys, this has been a filibuster episode. We went a little long today. Kyle, your debut. What do you think of it, really quick, before I let the people go? Good. Uh, you know, if we're gonna get three of us in on the, this basketball tournament, Kevin's got to be the fourth. So maybe we can get Todd in and uh, whomever we can drag along the way. Oh yeah, Derek yeah. remembers my uh, swat of his shot out there at East Bay at the playground. You remember that? You you remember when that happened? Man, it was like my shot that thing out into the. Uh, we got the ball back and a game-winning three in your eyes. That's all we're gonna say. Well, guys, <laughs> uh, thank you for joining the show. Uh, Bristol, we talked about what asphalt track we want to go dirt this week. Plenty of more racing. Make sure you guys make sure you guys listening. Check out all the fun stuff that these guys have written. Check out Suave Talk. Check out the highlights at DirtOnDirt.com and Flow Racing. Until next time, we'll see you next week.